You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Setting or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. And it goes on verse 18 to say, It was of his own free will that he gave us birth as sons by his word of truth so that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a a sample created to be consecrated to himself. It's of his own free will that he gave us the ability to become children of God. That's awesome. So this morning, just you know, last week we talked about the fact that generosity is a it's a part of God's nature. And we know what generosity is. Just like I was thinking when we were just singing those songs, we really only know what a good father looks like because of God, because of who he is and who he's demonstrated himself to be as a father. He's the example. He is the good, good father. And so in our own hearts, as that generosity works in us, that that gratitude, having that heart and mindset of gratitude produces generosity. It produces in us the desire to give. And I've seen that, you know, so much this week, uh, it, you know, among people who, who don't know the Lord yet or whatever, as soon as we start talking about thanksgiving, as soon as we start talking and the mindset goes to giving thanks and, and some are giving thanks to other people, some are giving thanks to all kinds of things. Nevertheless, the principle still works that as soon as we start thinking about giving thanks, immediately we want to give. It's, it's just awesome. So this morning, whatever you're doing, if you're bringing a tithe, you're bringing an offering, whatever you're doing, just let generosity work in your heart. I'm not saying give a bigger gift. I'm saying give it with that attitude because that's what, that's what consecrates it. The, the attitude of generosity, the attitude of love for God, the attitude of faith toward God, those are the things that turn our dollar bills into something more than that. They turn them into a gift that is a, a great fragrance before God. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity, Lord, to sow into your kingdom this morning. God, we love, we love you We love your kingdom. We love your dominion in our own lives. Father, we understand that the the way of life, of eternal life, of genuine life, of abundant life, it is all found in you. And Lord, our prayers we give this morning is that what we give would be multiplied over and over and over miraculously in its use to put forth the word of God, to put forth a knowledge of God, a fragrance of God, Lord, on this earth. And we thank you right now, Lord, as we give, we thank you for the hearts and lives that will be touched through this giving. We see people, Lord, we see people. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Ken, you can go ahead and serve people this morning. So I have a few uh, announcements for you this morning. Again, Nanette wanted me to just remind you about Parents' Day Out coming uh, up on December 10th, not December 3rd, December 10th. Uh, I've had that, well, I can't even tell you, all the ways I've had that date, December 3rd, stuck in my head for everything. It's like everything, Christmas is on December 3rd this year, everything. (laughs) I will be so glad when we get past that day. But anyway, Parents' Day Out is December 10th, Saturday, December 10th, right here. It's from 10 to 4, uh, for, and for children 4 years old to 10 years old, they can be here from 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. It is for children 1 to 3, that's from 10 a.m. to noon. Um, I believe she told me this morning, she's got... Loads of volunteers. If you still want to volunteer, we can find a place for you. No question about it. But she just wanted uh, to get the word spread. Uh, tell your friends. Tell people there's still room uh, for people to sign up and bring their kids. And then also next Sunday, which is December 4th, not December 3rd, surprisingly, uh, we are having a meeting after church for all the volunteers to come together. Oh, and one more thing. So one of the things we're doing this year 
uh, is we are going to be just giving a small gift to each family that comes in. And one of the things will be with that is we're just going to tell them uh, in a card that we're going to be praying for you. And so Barb is putting together what we need is some people who will commit to taking the name of a family, all right, and praying for that family on a daily basis. And Barb's running that. What does that mean? Oh, for seven days, minimum. She's saying seven days. I'm thinking more like 30. But anyway, yeah, she's, she's doing it. So anyway, if you would commit to praying for one of those families for seven days, see Barb after service. Also, if you've already signed up to volunteer and you have not received uh, your Red Parents Day Out t-shirt yet, uh, then also see Barb after service. So if you can pray for people, if you need a t-shirt, Barb has those for you and you can see her after service. All right, so that's Parents Day Out. Now, this Friday night, which is December 2nd, not December 3rd, uh, Night of Lights is happening in town. And so uh, we're going to be going down there and setting up, I don't know what you would call it, a booth, a space. They haven't told us where our space is yet. But anyway, we'll be down there on Main Street. Uh, We have giveaways. Uh, As long as the weather is half decent, we'll have a fire and roasting hot dogs, all kinds of things available for people. Mainly, we we want to... uh, touch lives. I was going to say touch people, but that just sounds weird. (laughs) We're down there to touch people. We're down there to touch lives, pray for people, minister to people. And uh, so anyway, if you can come by at any point uh, during that, we'll be here setting up at or loading up at four. We should be down there about 4.30. It starts at 5.30. If you can come by at any point, hang out for a while, uh, talk to people, minister to people, drop off cookies. We still need cookies. We're going to need a lot of cookies through December, so we have, we have a few cookie things happening. So anyway, uh, it's going to be great, and we just invite you to be a part of that, okay? Well, that's an issue. Um, it's going to have to be pretty bad to not do it. We may take some things out of it that we were going to do. Uh, right now, they're predicting snow that night, so uh, yeah, I know, I know. See? At our, our last leaders meeting, I was saying, man, it used to be so great because the streets were always snow covered and it was cold and everybody was like, we don't need it to be cold. It's like, yeah, well, I like it to be cold. Anyway, I, I think unless it's, I think something will be happening. Unless it's really bad, we won't. Uh, it'd have to be really bad. We'll be there. Yeah, we'll be there. So, um, okay, so, and this, uh, this is a change from what I announced last week. Uh, our candlelight service, we got thinking about it. We were going to do it on Christmas morning and have a potluck afterwards. We got really thinking about that. The candlelight service is a great place for you to invite friends and neighbors who aren't willing maybe or have never come to church with you. It's a great outreach because a lot of people will come to that when they won't come to a regular church service. We're going to do it Christmas Eve instead of Christmas morning. It'll make it easier. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. <laughs> Good, thank God. Uh, much easier for people that have children. That So we're just going to do it Christmas Eve at 5.30. We'll have our international cookie extravaganza afterwards. So if you can bring some Christmas treats that you like, we'll have that going on afterwards so people can stay and hang out. But no potluck, just goodies. But that'll be at 5.30. That's a one-hour service. And then we'll have a time out here where people can stay as long as they want. That's going to be on the Saturday, the 24th, not the 3rd, the 24th, okay, at 5.30. And no Sunday morning service, okay. So it'll just be Saturday night and people who are, a lot of folks are out of town anyway, but those who are here, um, it'll be be great and they can be with their families um, Sunday morning. So that's the plan. Everybody got it? Okay. All right. I'm very confused because we usually release children right here, but they're already gone. Let's just pray. We're going to get into the word. I just have a few things that I want to share with you this morning. Father, Lord, as we get into your word this morning, God, we love your word. Your word is life to us. It is, it is strength. It is spiritual food to us. And Lord, as we right now, we turn our ears to you, knowing that the Holy Spirit 
takes your word and breaks it open in an amazing way to every one of us. Lord, you have promised in your word that wherever we gather together in your name, you will be right there in our midst. And that as we gather together as a church body, you will equip us for the spiritual work, for the work of the ministry that you have given to every one of us. And so this morning, we believe, Lord, as we are here, as we hear what you're saying, as we sense what the Holy Spirit's doing in our hearts, we are more fully equipped for what we will do, what you have given us to do in reaching our community and reaching our world. And we thank you for it in advance. Bring us revelation this morning, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right. How are you all doing? You okay? All right. Um, I think you can turn over once again. I've got, I've got about 12 ways I could go this morning, so uh, I'm going to work my way through this. But we are going to talk about this idea that we've been talking about for several weeks, uh, that, that Jesus has called us to be what the Scripture calls living stones. And we began this, uh, and you can go ahead and open over to First Peter. We are going to begin there this morning. We began this looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, where it tells us that as we come to him, and we saw that that come to him doesn't just mean being born again. It certainly does mean that, accepting him as Lord in our lives. But it also means entering into a, a relationship, a conversation with the Lord. And it says, as we do that, we are, we are individuals. We are being built together into we are being made into living stones and we are being built together into a household for God. We are, the church is, all believers, the church is the household of God in the earth. It is a place where he lives, it is a place through which he manifests himself. So, so we've been talking about all of that. And what I want to do is back up this morning um, to 1 Peter chapter 1 and look at some of the verses uh, that precede what we've been looking at here, because the beginning point for every one of us, we've, we've laid a lot of foundation. If this is the first time you've been with us, you really need to go back and get the last few uh, segments, because we laid a lot of foundation about what it means to become a living stone and the changes that the Lord is making in us and how he joins us together in his body. <clears throat> But that all begins with the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. It all begins with a personal decision to accept him as Lord. And that's something, boy, there are so many um, ramifications of that. There's so many ideas about that going around in our society today. And, I, and I've told you before, when I was growing up as a child, I'd never heard the term born again. I'd literally never heard anything about being born again. People were religious or they weren't. They were Christians or they weren't. And at that time where I grew up, kind of, I think, you know, everybody considered themselves a Christian because they grew up in a home. They went to church sometimes. They had a family Bible, you know, whatever. And then there were people who had a living relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I met some of those people who were our neighbors before I'd ever heard the term born again. I got to see a different life, a different attitude toward God. Uh, again, the, the children that I used to play with that were my age, this is when I was in about fourth through sixth grade, their parents, they had a home Bible study. They went to church, but they had a home Bible study just with their family on Thursday nights. And the kids loved it. The kids craved it. The kids didn't want to do anything else on that night because they loved their family Bible study. Well, I'd never seen that. I'd never really seen Bible study. I'd seen church, but that was somewhere your parents dragged you on Sunday morning. You know, it wasn't something that was craved. There was something different going on in that household. And I know now that what it was, it was my first exposure to people who had a real relationship with Jesus. They didn't have just religion. They had been born again. And, and you started hearing that term during the Jesus movement. You started hearing about people being born again. 
And, and I, I didn't know exactly what that meant, but these people were born again. And then one of my brothers uh, got, and his wife, got born again. And they were different. They were different. That's, that's the thing. There, I knew a lot of churchgoers. None of them were different. These people were different. And the presence of God on their lives was discernible. It, and I've told you before, when those two would come home, they were living about 100 miles away. When they'd come home on a weekend, my brother and his wife, who had been born again, and they'd start talking about God, they weren't, they weren't trying to convert us even. They, weren't, they were just excited about God. But the hair would stand up on the back of my neck. There was something going on with those two. And that's when then my, my brother helped me uh, come to Christ and, uh, and meet him. But here in 1 Peter, it talks about this, and it says, you have been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting word of God. Now, where it says here, you've been regenerated, this is not the word, this doesn't mean restored. This doesn't mean you've been, uh, there are terms in the scripture about us after we're born again, being remodeled in our soul by the Lord. We've talked about that many times. But this is not just talking about that God put a new coat of paint on you. This term regenerated means you, you are a brand new creature. You are made brand new. It, the, to be born again, it's to begin an entirely new spiritual life with Christ. It is a new life. We are, you know, when we think about being born, we come into this world and we're born. Everything is new. We, we come out of our mother's womb and everything's different. And we scream, you know, because I mean, it's, it's different. We don't so much scream when we get born again. But it's, it is a, you know what I mean? It's a new world. It's a new life. It's a new atmosphere. Everything is new. That's what this term regenerated means. And it says that that happened, that this is not a natural thing. This isn't just adopting a new philosophy. This isn't just, uh, this isn't just church going. It isn't that kind of thing. It means that when we receive what God is speaking, his word actually carries his seed into our hearts. And at some point in that, we have a revelation on the inside that Jesus actually is alive and he is who he said he is. And when we and right there, we still have a decision to make. Are we going to accept that personally? Are we going to begin to walk with him? Are we going to accept him into our hearts? Pray a prayer where, where we say, Lord Jesus, I recognize you are Lord. You are Savior. You are the Son of the living God. And I receive you into my life. Please come into my life. Come into my heart. Take my life and do what you want to with it. We invite him in. And when that happens, and again, it happens because the word of God shows it to us. You didn't just, you may have heard some good doctrine, but somewhere in that doctrine, it's not just adopting a new philosophy. It's just not, okay, now I believe this theology. It's more than that. It is the word of God bursting forth, becoming alive in you and in me and changing our hearts and then a choice that we make. And the scripture makes it, it you know, it, it says over in Romans chapter 10, it says, if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess that with your mouth, you'll be saved. God has made it really easy. It's profound. It's, it's eternally life-changing. It is transformative. It is, it is more than I can say in English, but it is a simple process. It's not hard. It's a simple process. It's believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confessing with your mouth and you will be saved. And that lordship issue, I, I think there are many people who receive him as savior and he is redeemer. He, he redeems us. He brings us to himself. He saves me. A lot of people put this into just the idea of now I'm going to heaven when I die. 
Okay, now I'm I'm redeemed. I'm not gonna not gonna end up separated from God for eternity because Jesus is my Savior. Well, that's all true. But there is a lordship issue to this. It is making Jesus Lord of your life. That means, Lord, I am here, you are Lord, and I'm gonna follow your directions. That's what lordship is. I'm not just gonna live my own life anymore. I'm making you Lord, and that's something that goes on and on and on through our life, that we have choices about that every single day, whether we're going to continue uh, to walk with him or not. This word regenerates related to another Greek word that means completely brand new in quality, not quantity. Okay, so, so when you get born again, you're not now two people. You don't have two spirits on the inside of you. You don't have two souls. Sometimes it feels like we have two souls because, you know, our mind is fighting with what we know the Lord's leading us to do. But you do not have a born-again spirit and your old spirit. You don't have the new man and the old man tug of warring on the inside of you. That's common theology, but that's not the way this works. And if, you know, I'll just say this because the I have two spirits thing is becoming more and more Uh, prominent in our culture, if there are two spirits on the inside of you, we need to cast one of them out, okay? Because you have one human spirit, but when you make Jesus Lord of your life, that human spirit, the Bible says, is recreated. Again, not just a coat of paint put on it. It's actually recreated. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, we have been recreated in Christ Jesus. And that term means It was used at the time of founding a brand new city or a brand new place of a new dwelling place. Going to somewhere where nobody had ever lived before and there you go and found a new city or a new home and you build something there. It was the term recreated. It was the term we have, and it's used by Paul to say we have been recreated in Christ. Okay, so let's look down to chapter two now. Because the thing is, and and I guess what I feel most impressed to say this morning is that all of that means something. Being born again means something. When When we are born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and he begins to lead us. And again, we enter into a totally new life. And that means... He is going to lead us. We're going to have different appetites than we used to have. And again, you guys, you guys know, because you've been here, we talk very frequently about the renewing of the mind, that, that once we get born again, your spirit is recreated. Your soul, your mind, your emotions, and your will is not immediately recreated. So, there, so the Holy Spirit goes to work in you to lead you through and me through a process of changing the way we think, the way we feel, the way we make decisions, all of this stuff so that our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will <clears throat> begins to line up <clears throat> with what the Lord has already done in our spirit. Okay, And, and then... Our, that comes through and our whole life begins to change, all right? But, but there's meaning to this. When you get born again, you are a different person. And, and again, not all of our behavior changes immediately. We all know that. Not all of our thought life changes immediately, but that spark, that seed, that regenerated spirit on the inside of you, as we give Jesus lordship in our life, Again, the soul begins to line up with what's already completely complete on the inside of us. So we can make different decisions. We can make, we can live a new life because we are different people. We can live a new life. So much of the time, I think that's where we get confused sometimes because We'll still have thoughts that we know aren't godly. And rather than realize that thought is not who I am, I'm now a child of God. I'm now recreated in Christ Jesus. I am now a new creature in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in him. Instead of realizing that's who I am, 
this is a thought that doesn't belong, or this is a behavior that no longer belongs to who I am. Instead, we'll have a thought or we'll have a temptation or whatever, and we'll say, oh, I'm still this person over here. Oh, I'm still, no, you're not. And you have to adopt this. You have to take hold of what the scripture says about you. No, I've been recreated in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I belong to him. I'm not even my own. Not only do I not belong to somebody else in that sense, I'm not even my own. I am a new creature in Christ. I belong to him. Okay, and as we do this, we take hold of that identity that Jesus has given us, then we can make different decisions. So, so here in 1 Peter chapter 2, I love this. I'm going to read it uh, from the Amplified. Yeah, I guess I don't have this up for you. It's, it's longer. But 1 Peter chapter 2. So, so you saw, he, he, I'm going to back up into chapter 1. He says, you've been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin, seed, sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting word of God. For all flesh, mankind is like the grass and all its glory and honor, like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower drops off. But, verse 25 in chapter 1, the word of the Lord, the divine instruction, the gospel, endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached to you. And then in verse 1, I love the way it says this. It says, so, all right, in other words, what's that mean? All right, I've been regenerated. What's that mean? He says, so be done with every trace of wickedness, depravity, malignity, and all deceit and insincerity, insincerity, sorry, all pretense and hypocrisy and grudges, envy, jealousy, slander, and evil speaking of every kind. He just says, so be done. Be done with it. That's an attitude for us to grab. That's an attitude. Okay, I am born again. I have accepted Jesus as my Lord. So, therefore, because of that, be done with this. It's not, I'm going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. Peter's saying, so be done with it. Just be done with it. Just let it go. Just be done with it. Just determine in your own heart that because of who you are now, that has no more place in your life. It has no more place. And when those things come in, when I have those thoughts, when I have that, it's not who I am. And I, I can immediately, when I have thoughts that shouldn't be there, I can immediately turn to the Lord, repent of that, and let it go. When I have any of these uh, jealousy tries to rise up in my life, wickedness, depravity, malignity, that means that, that sin is a type of cancer. It works like cancer in our lives. It spreads. When, when any of those things begin to work on the inside of me, I can say, no, I'm done with it. This is not who I am. And that may sound overly simple, but it is the truth. There's power when we make those decisions. There is grace and power available from the Lord when we decide to agree with him about who we really are now and, and resist, let go, set aside. This, this term, be done, means that. It means just set it aside, all right? Just set it aside, put it aside, uh, like you would anything else that you're, it, it's not a part of you anymore, just set it aside. And it just caught me so strongly, I think, because that sounds so simple. And yet all of us know the, the battles that we, we fight on the inside with our thoughts at times, with our habits, with our behaviors, with our appetites. What do I desire the most? Well, the scripture says, I'm a new creature in Christ. And, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but all deceit and insincerity pretense or hypocrisy. That means pretense is pretending something, right? Grudges. I'm done with grudges. I'm just done with it. When the devil tries to bring that stuff up in my heart, no, I am done with it. All right? Envy, jealousy, slander, and evil speaking. Slander, saying something bad about somebody else. Evil speaking. Evil speaking is not just a slander, which is declaring something evil about somebody else. But evil speaking includes just going on and on and on about the evils that are in the world. 
going on and on about the evils of society, going on and on about, you know, claiming a sickness or disease to yourself, claiming an addiction to yourself, going on about those, just talking about those, just putting, you're just reinforcing the natural when you do that instead of saying, no, I am done with that. When you start saying, I'm done with that, then the road to freedom is opening up before you. Then the road to where, when we can come to a place where there was something that was so big in our life, it was so huge in our life, whether, whether that's a disappointment, whether that's an offense, whether that's an addiction, whether that's uh, just something, you know, my life, drugs were a big thing for a long time, alcohol is a big thing for a long time. You can come to a place where it, we start saying, no, I'm done with that. We can come to that place where, Oh yeah, I haven't even thought about that in years. I am so done with it. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just out of that. I'm, I'm somewhere else. I'm living a new life. Verse two. Are you with me so far? Verse two. Uh, there in First Peter chapter two, it says, "Like newborn babies, you should crave, thirst for, and earnestly desire." the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk that by it you may be nurtured and grow up to completed salvation. We're completely purchased and our spirits completely changed. But when it talks about completed salvation, it's talking about our soul being renewed to where we live more and more and more in the salvation that has already been given to us. And it says we should be like newborn babies. Those little buggers can scream. I mean, you know, they are, when they're hungry, you know it. And they have that hunger. How many times a day do you feed them? I don't know. I I, I know puppies better. But anyway, yeah, every couple hours. Yeah, that's the spirit. That can be our spirit for the word of God and the presence of God. And what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of us, that's an appetite for the things of God. That, if, if, in fact, I was listening to a pastor that we know was talking actually about that the other day. And he was talking about, you know, if we we have a friend, we have somebody and they're not feeling well or whatever, somebody says, you know, I've just totally lost my appetite. Well, that's a big red flag for us. That's immediately, we know that that person's physically ill, they're depressed, something's wrong when, when somebody has no appetite. That is a red flag that they're in trouble, that they're, they're not healthy, their life is not healthy. And I'm just here to say today, that's true of spiritual hunger too. That's true. You don't, you know, you don't go without intentionally fasting or something. You don't go for days and days and days without eating unless something's wrong. And the same is true. It says we should be like those newborn babies. And, and again, well, if I'm not that, if I'm not there, what do I do? He goes on and he says, taste and see, right? Taste and see. Since you have already tasted the goodness and kindness of the Lord, and then these are the verses we've been talking about. Come to him then, to that living stone, which men tried and threw away, but which is chosen and precious in God's sight, come and like living stones be yourself built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. All right, what do I do if I've lost my appetite for spiritual things? It's just not driving my life anymore. You think about appetite, you think about Food, the need to eat. And I'm not talking about the way we Americans do it necessarily. But I'm talking about on a basic level. We need to eat if we're going to stay alive. And so agriculture has grown up. All of this. Think of the systems that are in place. Think of the systems that were in place to get a Thanksgiving turkey to you. Hardly anybody in here, probably nobody, grew that turkey and killed that turkey and brought it in. If you did, all the more power to you. It's fine. But think of the systems. Think of the world economy that's built just around food distribution. Why is that? It's because we've got to eat. Everybody has to eat. Look at the systems we have for trying to help people that are living in places where where they, they don't have enough food. I mean, we're, we're all engaged with that. 
It's a big deal. So is spiritual food. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so if you're in that place where, you know what? I used to be hungry for the things of God. And now I'm finding I'm not. I'm, I'm just not that hungry. The solution to that is taste and see that the Lord is good. Go to the Lord. You've got to make a decision to go to the refrigerator, okay? But you go to the Lord and you begin to interact with him and you go to his word and you begin to feed on him. And you will find, and you begin to, again, think about, remember on purpose the things that he has done to you, the goodness of God. Scripture says, It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And repentance doesn't just mean saying, I'm sorry for a sin. It means turning our lives around, turning the other way, going toward the Lord when we've been going away from him. And it's his kindness. We can feed on his kindness. How do I do that? I think about it. I remember what God has done in the face of whatever needs I might be experiencing today. I can remember and I can recount out loud the things that God has done. If I can't think of a single one, and I think that's unlikely, I can go to the word of God and I can begin to see the things that God has done. He gave his only begotten son so that I and you could be given the ability. Jesus put it this way over in John chapter one. uh, John wrote this about Jesus that, that it says, to anyone who would believe in him, he gave the power to become children of God. You today, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've accepted him the way we just, we just talked about, believe in your heart, confess it with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, invite him into your life. If you've done that, you are a child of God. It's really popular, and, and this is, it's really popular in the world right now in our culture to, to believe that every human being on the earth is a child of God. That's not what Jesus taught. Every person on the earth is loved of God. Every person on the earth has been provided the avenue to come to him and be a child of God. But, but what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, tells us that to, when we believe on him, we are given the power to become children of God, to be a part of his family, to be changed into living stones as we come to him and be a part of what he's building in the earth. All right, so again, it goes back to being born again. It goes back to that starting place. That's just the starting place. But if we lose our appetite, the key is to come back and begin to think about him. And if you're, if you're spending that time, you're thinking about him, you're thinking about the goodness of God, you're, you're praising him for it, you're thanking him for it, do it out loud. Thank him for it. It will begin to stir things up on the inside of you. It'll begin to stir up a hunger for more of him. When we recognize what he's done for us and what he's made available to us, a relationship, a real relationship with the almighty God. And not based on our works. Scripture says we're, we're not saved by our works. We are saved by what he did. We're saved by grace, through faith, grace, his free gift, through faith, putting trust in him. Not of our works, but as we enter into that relationship, our life changes and we can begin to produce good works. Our works get better, but they're the result of being born again, not the avenue to being born again. Does that make sense? And I, And I, that's kind of what I was always taught was that, well, you have to do this list of things and then maybe they'll let you into heaven. I, you know, and, and that's just not what the scripture teaches. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And then the transformation happens from there. Okay, is this making sense to you? So we taste and see that he is good. I, I, got, I got one more. I guess we're just going to stay on this for a little bit. Here in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said this to Nicodemus. Remember that? Nicodemus was a Jewish ruler. Uh, he, was a, he, was, he was a religious man in the Jewish tradition. 
He was very hungry for God, clearly, because he risked his own life and reputation to go meet Jesus at night. How many of you have watched The Chosen? I know there's a lot of opinions about that. Um, I thought the episode they did with Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night was stellar. I thought that was tremendous. I, I didn't, you know, there were some issues with the show that I thought, eh. but anyway, he came to Jesus at night. He was a hungry man. And, and he had this knowledge of the Old Testament and this knowledge of the law and, and all of that. But he came and, and Jesus said to him, he made this statement to him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus didn't get it, which none of us would have in his situation either. He said, well, how can I, I can't, I'm an old man. I can't enter into my mother's womb and be born. Jesus said, no, flesh gives birth to flesh. Okay, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And you, you, you have to actually have both of those experiences. You have to be born of water. You have to be born into the earth. You have to be a human being on the earth for the salvation of Christ to apply to you. And then you have to be born of the Spirit. You have to be born again. And, and it, but he said it that way. You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't just mean go to heaven at the end of your life. It means to begin to walk in the kingdom and carry the kingdom in you. This is an incredible privilege that we have every day. In fact, let me say two things about this. One is there are people all around you and all around me. They are in our families. They are co-workers. They are people we know and interact with around town. They are people farther distant than that who need to be born again. They need to meet Jesus. And, and I find it unfortunate that we have turned that into, we have turned witnessing about Jesus. I think we've turned it into something it really wasn't supposed to be. We've, we've again, tried to, in many cases, um, make it, uh, try to get people to believe our philosophy, to believe a set of ideas, okay? And that happens as you come to Christ, for sure. Uh, you know, the gospel is full of truth, and, and that does happen. But there's more than that. They need to experience his life. And they need to, you know, it's just what happened with me. I started several years, a number of years, before I ever gave my life to Jesus. I started seeing his life in this other family. They just were different. They had different, ad- they weren't real religious either. They never felt religious. They just felt like there was life in the house. There was joy in the house. There was peace. They're a regular family. I knew another family uh, who was very religious. And I found out it always, their house always felt weird. And I found out much later uh, that in their house, everything was total chaos, apparently, until somebody was going to come over and then all hell broke loose. And, and the kids, you know, put everything away, get dressed, do this, do that. And then when somebody would walk in, they'd be met with this thing. And it always felt weird. I didn't know why until years later, uh, I found out what was going on in that household. I didn't know why. But this other house, our neighbors, they were just full of life. They just had joy about them. There was something different about them. And so I'm just trying to say, there are people around all of us that need to know Jesus, because you must be born again. It has to happen. It's, it's not about just believing the right things. It's about accepting that person and entering into that relationship. Every one of us carry the seeds of God's word. Every one of us carry the kingdom of heaven into the places that we go and that we work. And I'm just encouraging you this morning, and, and part of this is because for some time now, for the last several months, I am just... I am just sensing uh, the beginning. I, I Anyway, I won't even go into all that. I believe there's harvest. We are on the verge of harvest. I know there's always harvest available, but I think we're coming into a season of harvest. I think we're coming into a season where some of those people you know, that you love, you care about, you probably pray for already, 
I would go with an expectation that, you know what? Those people are going to come to Christ. And we don't always know how, but we do need to be living in front of him. We need to be open about who we are. We do need to be, I, I suggest, you know, getting into the scriptures, go into Romans 10, 9 and 10, go into Ephesians chapter 2, go into those scriptures, but don't just take them as, don't just memorize them and try and push them at people. Instead, put them into your heart so you can have a conversation with somebody. You can just tell them who Jesus is in your life. You can just tell them what he has done for them because it's just a part of you. It's just who you are. Live in front of them. Let your joy out in front of them. Don't be afraid. You know, it's kind of like, well, you know, my coworkers aren't going to like it if I do that. Well, too bad. I'd, I'd rather have them mad now and in heaven with us in eternity then know that I have this opportunity and, and I didn't take it because I was just afraid that they wouldn't like me. I heard, in fact, that same uh, same preacher the other day was talking about some of this and was, I don't remember exactly what it was, you know, but it was like, oh, my coworkers are going to criticize me. And this is just the way he is. He said, they're criticizing you already. Don't worry <laughs> about it. You know, Real comforting. I don't know. I'm just kind of preaching this morning, but I just, I, I sense an opening. And this is a time of year too. I mean, we say this every year, but this is a time of year where there are some people that are really lonely that need your love and the love of God. There are people whose hearts who are recognizing, and I think everything that's happened over the last few years has just emphasized the need for God in people's lives. There are people who need healing right now, and you can lay hands on them and see them recover. There are people who need to know that they are loved. There are people whose lives have been shattered and broken and Jesus Christ still has an absolute plan for their life. And you may be, and, and a lot of what we do is we just sow seed and we water seed. You know, we don't always get to be the ones that pull in the harvest, but we can be out there sowing seed through our actions and through our words. Okay, so I, I didn't get, I think I'm going to, shut it off here. But but in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's another unpopular idea in our culture. But this is what Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through him. We have him. We hold him. We have a relationship with him. And so there are people around us. So I'm just asking, I guess, I believe that you guys are aware of the people around you as it is. I'm just saying right now and in the coming months, the coming year, be prayerful about the people that are around you and expect the unexpected. There may be people in your life right now that you think, oh, they're never going to receive Jesus. Well, I'm here. I would have said that about me for sure when I came to him. Yeah, Glenn's here. I mean, come on. <laughs> If he can do this for us, think about who you were. If he can do this for us, he can do it for any of those people. So be praying for them and be bold about inviting them, about inviting them into your home, about living your life in front of them. And I need, I mean, we need to be, I, I don't, personally, I'm not into the, unless the Lord leads you that way, just the harsh in your face, you better get saved. I don't think we get many people saved with that in this culture, but through relationship with a believer, yeah, yeah. They'll see the life in you, okay? I was gonna go on and I'm not going to now, but uh, you know, there there are more verses I was looking at where, where Jesus said, Jesus said it's 10 to 11, uh, now, over in Matthew chapter 16, okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. This is, I'll, I'll quit after this. Okay, Matthew 16, we looked at this several weeks ago. This is where Peter, Simon, came up, you know, and, and Jesus was asking, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, on that truth that you just spit out, I'm going to build my church. And then at the end of that passage, and I just want to talk about this for a couple of minutes because this is true for all of us. He said, I will give you 
the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right. So first of all, Jesus said, okay, here's this person who has spit out this, this, what he, he said, Simon, on that rock, I will build my church. So the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. And he said, I'll tell you who you are. You are Peter. And it was a word that meant a small detached piece of stone. Okay, he said, you just became of the same material that I am, and you are movable, you are usable, you are a new person. I said all that to Peter in that passage. And then he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys always represent at least two things. They, they represent freedom of access. Okay, if you have a key to this building, you can come in here anytime, Right? You have a key to your house. If you give somebody a key to your house, you are telling them you have free access. I am trusting you to have access to my home. It also, keys always speak of authority. If we give you a key to the building, you have the authority to come in and to use things. And, and with that authority, there comes responsibility. Whenever God gives us authority, there's responsibility on how we use that key, right? So, so when Jesus says that, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's the idea is when we are born again, the Lord gives us free access into his presence, into his kingdom, into his dominion. And he gives us authority to carry that kingdom in the earth. And then most of your translations read this way. And honestly, it's not right. Uh, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The way that reads in the Greek is whatever you bind on earth must have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth must have already been loosed in heaven. So it's not that God's giving us these keys and we're walking around with his kingdom and we're going to tell him how to run the kingdom by what we, that, that term binding and loosing was used during at that time among the, the priests and the scholars and, and what it meant, what the religious leaders used it for, was that binding and loosing meant declaring what was according to the law, what was godly, what was moral, what was true, declaring that, showing that forth, or declaring what was unlawful. Binding was declaring what was unlawful. It wasn't right. It didn't line up with the kingdom of heaven. So what we're being given is that role in the earth. We are being given the authority to reflect heaven's morals, heaven's principles, heaven's statutes, the way heaven looks into this earth. The problem comes when we try to do that in such a way that we try to destroy another person's freedom to accept or reject that kingdom, okay? We don't get to use that to lock people up. The kingdom is given to set people free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Is this making sense to you? So if I come, I am given the right as a Christian in the earth to say, this life, this behavior, this attitude, this principle, this idea about life does not line up with what God has. But the reason I'm saying that is so somebody can have a better life, not to restrict them, not to constrict them, not to condemn them. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. I came to save the lost. So that's the attitude of the kingdom. But we are told that we have been given those keys. So it is important in our lives that not only we become conformed to the kingdom of God, but that we do stand for those principles. Why do we do that? To prove we're right? To prove an argument? To try and get somebody? No, we do that because God has an abundant life for every person and it flows in his domain. It flows according to his word. It flows according to his principles. So when we find out principles about finance, for instance, the reason we want to share those with people is so they can have a better financial life. We find out principles about lifestyle, about marriage, about sex, about 
whatever, about, about stealing, about murder, about whatever it is, we want to give those to people because in those principles is life. In the word of God is life for them. So it's, so it's not about us. We're trying to bring heaven's authority and blessing to the earth. But we are given, uh, and I've read this to you before, you know, 1 Timothy 3.15, he, he says, uh, Paul says there, if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Is this tying together for you? The pillar and foundation of the truth, if we don't exhibit God's heart, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's truth, if we don't bring that into our hearts and live in that, then we're really not here representing his kingdom in the earth. That is our responsibility. The reason I'm saying that to you this morning is because you are the church of the living God. We're living stones being built into a household for him. There is so much pressure that a lot of us feel to be quiet, sit down, shut up. We don't want to hear it. That kind of thing in our society. Well, you know what? We have the responsibility to live according to his kingdom and to represent that with all the love that he has, but to represent the truth. All right, does that make sense to you? We have that responsibility, okay? How we go about that makes all the difference. Whether we are living and presenting the truth in love or not makes all the difference, okay? There are, I had a bunch of other scriptures. We're not going to get to them this morning. There's so many places where the scripture tells us, you know, how that works, what that looks like. Because you've been regenerated, you've been born again, so live differently. We have the ability to do it. Does this make sense to you? Let's just stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Father. I thank you this morning for the privilege of being called a child of God, Lord, of of knowing you, of knowing who you are, Lord, of being brought into your family by the blood of Jesus Christ, by what he did for us on the cross. Lord, we we accept that place. Lord, we we it was not about us being worthy of it. It was about what Jesus did for us. It was about, Lord, your love for people, that you so love the world that you sent your only begotten son so that whoever believes in him might be saved. God, we thank you for that this morning. And Lord, I I pray, Father, as we go out, this group into this world, into our world, into our sphere of influence, help us. Lord, thank you for the grace of God flowing through us to, as your word says, snatch people out of the fire. Lord, to to represent you the way you would have us represent you in this earth. And Lord, right now, I just, with all of us here, I, I, I pray this morning for a lot of people I don't know, but they're around all of these believers. They're in all of our lives. They're people we touch. Lord, I, I pray for all of us, Lord, that that life, that light, that we would be the light of the world, light of our world, the light of our sphere of influence, that your life would be so evident in us, God, that it would be obvious to people around us. And then, Lord, where we have the opportunity to speak into someone's life, we trust you, Holy Spirit, to give us the words to speak and tell us when to keep our mouths shut, both of those. Lord, we thank you for it, Father. And we call for a great harvest of people out of our region, out of our area. We call for revival in the church and we call for a harvest of people from around us. And we thank you for those opportunities this morning. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let us be dismissed. And uh, if you need prayer for anything specific this morning, I would love to pray with you this morning. And uh, if not, there's lots of goodies out there. Hang out, make some friends, love on each other. We're going to say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world and be dismissed. One, two, three.
three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.